Welcome to another episode of Calvin and Hops, where we discuss theology over cold brews. This week I'm talking to my best friend and best man at my wedding, Carter Newton. And today's beverage is going to be Boylan's Diet Cream Soda, because we are not having alcohol in this episode because Carter's got a plane ride to catch. So uh, here we go. So, Mr. Newton. Yes, sir. Why don't you give us a elevator testimony? Elevator testimony. Elevator testimony. Uh, well, I was born and raised in a Christian home. Like, well, not a lot of Christians, but that's a pretty like common... Like everyone at our church. Well, yeah, when you talk to people from where we grew up, that's like everybody's start. <laughs> I was born and raised in a Christian home. Uh, I have three older sisters, two younger brothers, big, loving Christian family, all the same parents. No, I'm not Mormon. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I grew up in the church, um, going to church every single Sunday on Wednesday nights, did all sorts of stuff, um, and it was in my freshman year of high school that uh, actually at, at Clear Lake, which is like the, the intro to high school for, for the, the incoming freshmen, you get to go to Clear Lake every year with the high school group, and it was there that I was really actually confronted with uh, my mortality and what it meant to really not actually like to actually like if I were to die right then at that moment what would have happened and I had to really kind of I had, I had to embrace that and uh, the Lord kind of opened my eyes that I really wasn't actually following uh, I wasn't following him I was I knew because I was born and raised in it I knew the right things to say and the right songs to sing or whatever um, but uh, yeah it was it was in my freshman year of high school that I actually accepted the Lord into my heart um, and since then I, you know I did bunch of ministry stuff in high school um, and in college I was able to play play college baseball um, and I was able to be involved in some ministry stuff there and now I have a job uh, I have a career job and it's fun and I don't yeah I mean all this corona stuff I'm new to the area that I live in now down in San Diego um, and I moved a month before corona hit so uh, yeah that's that's uh that's where I'm at which is uh, which? Is why Carter and I never see each other, and why Carter's never been in one of my TikToks before, because this why. is the first time I've seen you since Corona hit, and I started doing, like, TikTok regularly during Corona. Yeah, so don't expect me to be very popular on this either. <laughs> I I, it'll be a while before I make another appearance. Um, yeah, but he was the best man at my wedding. That I was. Um, and, uh, oh, something funny. Okay, I got a funny story to share. Donnie and I were recently... Like, Donnie and I were recently looking for something. So my wedding ring is a clada because that's the Irish side of me. I'm Mexican and Irish. Um, and so I, I have a clada for my wedding ring. If you want to know what that is, just Google it. Yeah. Spell that. <laughs> C-L-A-D-D-A-G-H. There you go. Clada. <laughs> like claw dog. There you go. And so recently I wanted to find my clada that I got in Ireland from Thomas Dillon Gold, the people who created the ring. I couldn't find it. Carter walks in the door and says, I've been a good and faithful servant, and shows me this. He had had this, because I, I think I took it off during the wedding, yep. during the ceremony, and replaced it with my wedding ring, yep. because I, I've been wearing this for, since long before I met Donnie. Oh, yeah. It's like the first Facebook relationship status message. And for any of you who don't, who can't see this, it's basically a crown on top of a heart being held by two hands, and whichever way the heart is pointing determines whether you're single or taken. And uh, so he hands me that, and so I'm so glad to have this back, because this will be a family heirloom that will be handed down. He told me to hold on to it. <laughs> he didn't really know what to do with it, and he said, here, hold on to this. And, and so I held on to it. 
I've only seen him a number of times really since then. Yeah, because you've been doing your training. And, well, we've worked together for months. Yeah, but... <laughs> we saw each other every day But when you see each other that commonly, like, I had put it away in a drawer. Yeah. You don't think about it until you he, uh... open up that drawer months <laughs> later and you're like, oh, yeah, I got to give this back. Anyway, let's let's move on to some questions. So there's two questions I kind of ask everyone. Uh, what do you think is the biggest obstacle that you see the the church facing from within the church right now? Within the church? Yeah. I mean, sounds kind of redundant. I, I well, not redundant, but like division in uh in terms like in this in this day and age how often we mm-hmm. seem to like, as christians like the meaning of love just as, an, as is something that comes to mind like what it means to to love and because in today's society that is seems to be such a obscure meaning like, there's so many different things you can do uh to love uh or I don't really know what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, no, the, the the word love has been kind of co-opted by the yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the church has sort of adopted that new meaning. Rather, yeah, rather than really kind of sticking to their guns, it feels like the church as a larger whole uh, has kind of lost a bit of their backbone. Um, and I feel like the idea, the what needs to happen is, is less divisiveness within the church and more coming together unity and being able to stand together, united uh, in Christ and not in new definitions and new terms from people. Not being afraid of man but uh, fearing God. Yeah. And so yeah, that that's one of the things that I actually talked about with my dad on his his episode was this, uh, this concept of love that because the, the term love has been so changed by the culture... Christians are always seen as these unloving people right. when really th- there can be some cultural issues where Amer- where cr- American Christians in particular can see things that are more cultural things that we tend to harp on rather than biblical things. Yeah. I'd say with uh, the issue of uh, homosexuality and how that's been so separated out as its own separate thing. It's almost this particularly heinous sin. You have all the other sins, and then homosexuality's way over here, when in actuality, the Bible puts them all together. Yeah. That we're all fallen. Uh, Paul talks about in Corinthians where uh, he lists liars, uh, cheaters, adulterers, homosexuals, but some of you were guilty of these things as well. Um, so I think the church tends to get divided on particular kinds of sin are like unforgivable. Right. Yeah. It's I don't know I I 100% agree with that. Uh, it's such like a homosexuality as a sin is such a niche thing to talk about. It's such like an awkward topic among yeah. Christians. But I mean, in reality, like the Bible describes it as a sin, as a sin, as a sin, as a sin. Once once you sin, which we are born sinners, so we all come out that way. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you have a bad intent in your heart, whether you steal a pencil, or whether you're homosexual. Or whether you murdered somebody, or whether whatever, like no a sin is a sin is a sin. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, sin is described as missing the mark, and if you miss the mark, 
you miss the mark. Doesn't matter if you miss it by half an inch or if you miss it by half a month. And so, yeah, I think a lot of Christians definitely forget that. Homosexuality isn't, isn't in its own category. It's a sin just like the rest of them. So what do you think is the biggest obstacle coming for the church from outside? From the culture pressing in on them? I think the flip side of that, people not seeing Christians as loving. Yeah. And that, like, I get, I get lumped in, you know, as a believer, I get lumped in with, as a person who's like a homophobe or somebody who is, you know, I don't know, I don't know. There's, there's so many different examples in modern times, in these current times yeah. that we exist in. I don't really feel like even talking about those, but just, I don't know, Cho pick and choose your example of situations where we're not, where Christians are kind of made out to be what we're not. And like, you know, God is love is the quote, quote unquote phrase that, that a lot of liberal Christians like to use. Um, and he is, but there's so much more to him than just love. He's also just, and justice doesn't always seem fair. Like, there's difference between justness and fairness. I mean, yes, God is love, but there is so much more to him that yeah. people don't know about, and all they see is the quote-unquote judgment. And I, I mean, I definitely think that there are some Christians who are guilty of, of judging people. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think, I think the issue with that, the biggest issue there stems from casting our worldview as believers on people who have completely different worldviews from us. And we we come with the assumed understanding that they come from the same under, like worldview, the same background as us, which just isn't the case. Like Jake and I can have this conversation because we do have the same worldview and we have we you know we have a lot of understanding from the same principles. But if I just walk up on somebody you know, if I just come up on someone on the street, they don't necessarily have the same anywhere near the same upbringing as I do and so if I assuming in the back of my head that they that I can hold them to the same standards that we are held to as Christians it's just not going to be good because it's going to come off as accusatory and judgmental and all these things that I'm really not trying to do and so for me personally I'm I've been trying to have these conversations as a believer as a Christian but be able to come, be able to get rid of, not really get rid of the worldviews, because obviously that's the whole point, is to try and get people to be, to, to have my worldview, to become a Christian. But to be able to engage in these conversations with the understanding that we have different worldviews, and at the very least, just the fact that we have different worldviews is the starting point that, okay, we can, let's find some common ground. And yeah. that's, finding common ground is the key to, otherwise, when you, I don't know, when I feel attacked, you just put up a wall and you shut down and you don't want to answer any questions, you don't want to talk, and it just gets accusatory and aggressive, and yeah, that's just not what it should be. Everything feels like an attack Yeah. when when that first initial interaction feels like it was accusatory. 100%. Um, so, okay, so you said that justice doesn't always seem fair. Right. Because this is something that Donia have been talking about. I think I don't think it's like a false teaching going around, but I think it's a dangerous wording that we hear because uh, I've heard some pretty solid people lately say that God isn't fair um, but do you think that it doesn't seem fair or that it isn't fair it doesn't seem fair okay uh, yes no uh, <laughs> I mean uh, if you look if you look in the, the, the law enforcement criminal justice system uh, there are there are judgments cast down by a judge and there's you know their verdicts or sentencings whatever you want to call them uh, to somebody on one side of the argument, that might not sound fair. But then, I don't know, well, I don't know, somebody murders somebody, 
and that person gets sentenced to life. The, the, the murderer, that person's family, they're going to be like, but it was just a mistake. Why, you know, that's so unfair for him to have gotten sentenced for his entire life. But then the people who are on the victim's side, the family of the victim, they're like, absolutely, that's not fair enough. Send him, you know, I don't know, yeah. put him on death row, blah, 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 whatever. And yeah. so that kind of system, like, we look at it from a certain perspective, from, I mean, comparing ourselves to God, we look at it from our puny little human mind perspective, and we see it with a very small, through, our, through, the, through a, a lens that has a very small picture. And we see it, and we see this situation, whatever it is, and it's, we deem it unfair. But God, who has a much bigger lens, can see the entire picture, absolutely knows what's fair and what's mm -hmm. just. Well, it, when, when you look at what happened, when you look at God coming down as a man, dying on the cross for our sins, not yeah. doing anything wrong, that doesn't seem fair for someone else right. to take our punishment. However, what you're seeing is the law being fulfilled. Yeah. And you're seeing justice played out. It's someone else paying the price for you. Right. That when we sin, we've missed the mark, so we have a debt. Yeah. And so we need to pay that debt, and that's through eternal damnation in hell. And then Christ comes along and pays that debt for us. So that doesn't seem fair to us. It doesn't seem fair for someone else to pay the price. But it is fair because it's still a price being paid. And it is just because there was a price and it, it has been fulfilled. God says, I did not come here to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Stephen Furtick recently said, God broke the law for love. That's insanity. The, the idea that, that God broke the law, how can he, he is the law, he is just. I mean, you, yeah. your, your niece is named Torah Grace, yeah. which, is, which is a combination of the law and grace. God is both law and he is grace. The law was not there to condemn us, to make us seem like we're these horrible people. It was there to reveal the fact that we are horrible people. Right. The, the law was not put in place to say this is the checklist to get to heaven. It was there as a mirror to say this is why humanity can't get to heaven because these are the ways that you are counter to the identity of God. So it's not there to say, oh, because you're broke, do not lie, you can't get into heaven. It's a, no, no, no. God doesn't lie, you do, so that's why you can't. And that's why Christ came yeah. and fulfilled that punishment. So, 100%. We, we have this, I don't know, I feel like words have become so important in this modern age. Because back in the day, when you read a book, and someone had the money and resources to write a book, the, the, the path and evolution of ideas moved so slowly. Because yeah. a book might become the predominant source on something for a hundred years. Before someone else wrote a scroll or wrote a book about it. And then now, every person can go and self-publish a book. Anyone can say whatever they want. And so now there's this evolution of ideas, and language evolves, and the meaning of words change. This is why the King James Bible is so difficult to read. Yeah. It's practically a different language. Mm -hmm. And so now we're having this evolution of language so fast that we need to be very careful and say, okay, what did that person mean when they actually said that? And the, the intent of the original author is so much more important now. Um, well, where, where should we go from there? Is that... that, that, that <laughs> um, uh, have, you, have you heard anything of, of like Stephen Furtick? Because he's kind of... He was kind of controversial at first, and a lot of people saying it's because he's young, but now... 
I, I've has, seen a couple headlines, but I haven't uh-huh. paid attention personally. Yeah, he's he's getting he's he's going down the path of Joel Osteen. Fun. He's getting more prosperity gospel. But he's also getting more people ignore God's wrath now. This idea of God's not wrathful, and I don't have you ever heard this analogy? Because I hadn't until like when when did we watch that American Gospel two like oh, Tuesday night? I didn't hear about this idea until Tuesday night. The simplicity of God. The idea that God is not 50% wrathful, 50% just, or 20% loving, 20% uh, holy, that he's 100% just, 100% loving, 100% wrathful, that his wrath is love, his love is justice, his justice is wrath. Have you heard this? Because I've never heard this before. Uh, and this is... I've never heard it described like that, but yeah. that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, it does, because I mean, of Christ's yeah. hypostatic nature. I don't know. To, I mean... To me, it's it's kind of always made sense that like if God's this omnipotent, like all powerful, all knowing, mm-hmm. all present being, how could we, in our puny little human minds, try to try to put Him into a box that we can fully yeah. understand? And so, to quantify what got what makes up God, just seems like chaos to me. It just seems idiotic. It's stupid. Yeah. Uh, it's impossible. I always think of it. I, I always feel like we like to think ourselves like God. But I always yeah. feel like we're more like fairies from Peter Pan. <laughs> that we have these moments where like we we can feel so limited emotion and so li- limited like our joy and our our joy and our grief so rarely are able to intermingle. But, but that's what God calls us to be. He calls us to have joy in our grief for his glory. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God is this this being that is is experiencing wrath and love and justice and holiness all at once. In every action he does, but humans, we're so limited in how we can yeah. act and react. So, you were homeschooled through eighth grade, and I was homeschooled as well after eighth grade. <laughs> and so, uh, how how did we end up so not socially awkward? I mean, aren't all homeschoolers supposed to be like the weirdos? Apparently, I don't know. I I think I grew up. I mean, both of us had, like, good social outlets. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, like, how we met. Like, his family yeah. was new to the church. I was eight years old. You know, at the time I was homeschooled, I was in third grade. And I remember waking up one day, and my mom was like, hey, Carter, uh, get something together for what you're going to do uh, for this afternoon. We're going to go to the Heather Farms Park over in Walnut Creek. Uh, you're going to meet a new friend today. <laughs> and I said, okay. And so I cut some apple sticks from the backyard. I tied some string the end of them and I grabbed some turkey meat that was in the back of our fridge uh, and I said we'll go fishing in the little pond there so we spent the afternoon I mean you know two kids eight and ten years old uh, we caught nothing well yeah that's my fault (laughs) I realized that I missed a very key component to a fishing pole that is a hook So we were just tying turkey to the end of these, this string and throwing it into the water. And we'd feel the fish bite and eat it. Yeah. But then I'd pull and the turkey would just be gone. And I didn't understand why. We were just, just feeding fish. Oh, yeah. No, we, just, <laughs> we were just feeding fish very, very slowly. But, but it was because of interactions like that that I and that and like being able to play sports growing up and yeah. stuff that I was able to not be that super awkward homeschool kid. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful for having been homeschooled. I think, you know, my mom did a stellar job, I think. Well, I 
did it? Did she? I think she did. I mean, you got a good job. I do. Uh, yeah. That, that like was, had an intelligence cool. component to the hiring process. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Yeah. I did have to meet a certain intelligence standard for my job. Um, Which means we can't use your old nickname anymore. Nope. Pimple Sugar. Nope. These are sugar free. See, I, I kind of felt the same way. Growing up a pastor's kid, I was always like in the center of like every event going on. So I was always dealing with kids older than me. As yeah. well, because I, my dad was mainly ran the high school, so he was in charge of junior high and high school. But he was more hands on with the high school. We had a, like a, someone under him that did the junior high, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I was always dealing with older kids. And then when I started high school, I started doing college. And I think that was a big part as I started dealing with well, adults. You, I, I mean, the more I think about it, the more like, yeah, okay, we had similar experiences, but also at the same time, our experiences were really different. Oh yeah, cause, because. Because yeah, like you, you were, you were operating, age-wise, like two, two and a half years older, than, like two academic years older than me. Mm-hmm. But academically, school-wise, you were operating four, five, six years ahead of me, and you were you were in college and high school, and you were taking. Those I think are things, those are things that you're able to do when you're homeschooled. Because yeah, I think it's an indictment of the school system all the way up to the college level because I was not an exceptionally smart kid. But I was able to do those college classes. Yeah, I mean, there's a well, there's a there's the the converse flip. There's the flip to it is that the difficult part for uh, like high school and like the reason the argument for uh, why it's so much easier for homeschool kids to get through high school is that the curriculum itself isn't what takes eight hours in a day mm-hmm. from eight to three or you know whatever whatever the time period is seven hours. Um, it's about the. It's more about the fact that the the student to teacher ratio is a lot. Well, teacher to student is really low. The teacher to student ratio is a lot lower. Is that, am I saying it that the right way? There's there's a lot of students and few teachers. That's what I'm trying to say. However yeah. you want to word that. Um, and so, it's while while the concepts themselves aren't super difficult to learn, when you have to teach it to Every single kid, you know, upwards of 30 plus kids in a classroom, that's what takes the extra time. And so when you have like a one-on-one sitting setting where it's just you and the curriculum and a parent or just literally you and the curriculum sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you're able to just snap through it and get through it and do a week in a day's time and then do a month in a week's time. And there, before you know it, you're multiple yeah. years ahead. And then by the time you get to college, it's, it, honestly, most high schoolers could do college-level classes, in my opinion. It's just the fact that it takes, it takes when, you, when you go through conventional school, it takes a lot longer to learn the concepts. Yeah. I think well, that a lot it takes of people, longer to teach them. A lot of people are learning that, I think, with this whole corona epidemic, is the teachers are seeing that, oh, class only took three hours today. That's the thing, is we send our kids to school for eight hours, but now that corona's happening, we're doing the same curriculum in three yeah. So I think that I think there's gonna for one be a surge in homeschooling after it's like oh well my kids are already learning on the computer I can go get a program and teach my kids what I want my kids to know get them to jump ahead in school because here's the thing you can graduate high school very easily by the age of 16 by uh, training for the Chesby exam in California yeah. at least California high school proficiency exam. That's what I did. I did at 17, but you can do it as, as young as 16. We have some friends that did it at yeah. 16. Yeah, sophomores in high school yeah. tested out of high school. And then they just went full-time into college at the age of 16. Still took them six years to get, like, still graduated at the same time as me. But 
Yeah, but they were but doing. That they was were doing because he took his college. time. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was other things. Plus, it's cheap. I got the first two years of my education for like a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's ways to to work the system. Yeah, but I don't think that's what we're. <laughs> I don't think that's what we're here to talk about. Well, we're here to talk about just kind of everything. I think that Christians need to take more control of their education of their kids. I think that you're, we're sending our kids to these indoctrination camps. They're literally your lives, folks. Homeschool your kids. Yeah, they're literally sending their kids to these schools that are just saying, "Oh no, you know, there's no." The teaching is that there's no God for one. Yeah. The the concept that God exists, like there's a way to teach secularly, but that leaves room for God. But the way these schools teach, there's no room for God. Yeah. In the in the philosophy in the science. I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing with Carter is Carter was always there for the early days of this kind of stuff. Oh yeah. There was so many and dozens that have just been lost to the 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 recesses of my mother's old computers. Yeah. They're just buried somewhere. <laughs> somewhere there is a video where you were wearing a skirt. <laughs> this is true. Carter was always, I feel bad, because Carter was always the butt of all the jokes. But as we got older, we started bearing the load of the clown a little bit more. A little bit. And I think it kind of came to a peak with um, Jake and Carter's Untitled Christmas Project, which... That was like the last big thing we did. That was the last big thing we did. That was like four or five years ago. Yeah, I was still in Ireland. I came back for Christmas. But that one, it was like the quality was so crap, the music was crap, the audio was crap, but the jokes landed. The plot was kind of funny, and the jokes landed. I make it. A, it's a. It's on YouTube still. I, yeah. I, I do make it a point, like every December, to watch it again. Really? I do. Oh my gosh. And it, the jokes still kind of land. They Probably do. Probably just for me because of the fact that I was in it and I remember them. But. Well, I, I think that they just. I think that you and I have this solid chemistry on camera, but we just never had the resources to make anything great. But no, in that one. We shared the load of clown a little bit more. Like, we have a scene with our friend who was so gracious to be in it. We went to, like, four different Safeways to film it because he kept getting kicked out of Safeways. Where, basically, we're on our way to go get eggnog. The whole point of this short film was to get eggnog. Yeah. And to go see a stupid stupid action movie where my dad played Santa Claus. And Carter, like, we're walking down in slow motion. It's like gangster rap playing in the background. Carter puts his sunglasses on and winks at a girl and she like brushes her hair to this side like oh it's it's Carter and then I do the same thing and she goes oh no like we started playing the like obviously Carter is more the ladies man and the handsome one and the for every one of those moments there was also the moment where I was just like straight (laughs) dope I didn't really know what was going on you did we did play you off a little bit more as as the, the simple sugar play sweet but a little simple but that's not the actual case. Carter is not dumb. He's not in a always. job that requires a lot more intelligence than I am. Does require a bit of thinking sometimes. Um, but yeah, that, that I miss those days. I want, I want. Uh, if you guys want to donate to my freaking Venmo, Carter and I will. If we get like a few thousand dollars, we can make that one. I need to rewrite it though. It's way too heavy-handed with the. The message is like way too heavy-handed. It's like, it's like, because it kind of has a pseudo-Christian message, and that's the problem I don't like about it right now. Is it's got this heavy-handed Christian message? I want to make it more subtle. Okay, but also, I guess it does. Family camp, the family camp stuff. So every year, 
our church does something called family camp. They even did an unofficial family camp this year yeah, for a I bunch of the families, just because they had their spaces already. Yeah. And Carter's... Uh, no. And Carter's family... Did they, does your family still do the music? Yeah. Okay. This would have been year 21. Yeah. They would have done the music, but they didn't go. Yeah. So it's... it's He's always been up there with them, and every year, like, from, like, junior high through high school, we had some sort of sketch planned. Yeah. On my Facebook memories thing, every year around June, July, <laughs> yeah. uh, his mom... There's a memory from his mom of a recording of us singing uh, Hey There, Delilah, Delilah. Uh, except it's Tim Hawkins. Tim Hawkins' version. He's so getting popular on TikTok. Really? Tim Hawkins, like his audios. There's a guy named DJ Hunts who does a lot of Tim Hawkins' audios, and he's got like 2 million followers now. Wow. Yeah. Um, more than me. Oh. That was definitely my best performance, though. That was good. That was fun. That was, People enjoyed that. That was actually good. What was less good was when we just decided to choreograph a lightsaber fight. Oh, please don't remind me of that one. Oh, my gosh. I just got... Those... That was only, like, the year before, too. I know. But, okay, so... so we I just had... ran around in front of people made, and made them watch us play with these kind of lightsabers. I had these. It was, like, right when these, like, came out and were popular. This is the custom one from Disneyland. These are sick. This is the custom one from Disneyland. Yeah. Um, and so... These looked really cool at night. Like at night, these look so dope, and on camera, well, yeah, these look they have so the effects dope. Of like actually opening up, and it actually because this is so bright, uh, this turns white, and then it creates like an aura of color around it. So these that on like camera, on camera, these look like lightsabers, and it's it was it was a revelation for us when we were doing those those videos. Yeah, because I mean we grew up like lightsabering with sticks at first. Yeah, not really, but. Well, they were like those collapsible ones. Yeah, uh, except we'd always swing too hard and break those. Oh my gosh. So We broke so many props. Let's move on to some questions. All right. So, early in the vlog, <laughs> Rebecca O'Brien said, did people go to heaven before Jesus died? Well, they went to a place of waiting. It's called Abraham's Bosom. They went to a place of waiting. It was a paradise of waiting. You can hear about it in the, the parable of Lazarus and the, the rich man. Um, but then Christ, when he died on the cross took them from well there's debate on this whether the still people still go to that place of waiting until the new heaven and the new earth is made but basically they didn't go people in the old testament didn't go to heaven they went to a paradise of waiting for before heaven plus we're not going to spend eternity in heaven this is yeah uh we're going to spend it on the new earth i have a very interesting goes back to time oh no <laughs> uh, basically my mindset, and I have no theological, no biblical reasoning for this. It's just how I've come come to think of this. Which that never leads to anything bad. I don't. I don't think there's anything theologically wrong with this. If you guys think so, somebody does. Go ahead and call me on it. But basically, as I pre, as I pre, as I already said about God, exists outside of time, right? And when we die, you proverbially go proverbially, you know, you 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 go with Christ, or however you want to put it. Like you're you're with. You're with God, and mm -hmm. so by definition, then you are outside of time. But here's the thing: if you're outside of time, if time no longer exists for you, try and try and understand. Like, if you if you died, that by that logic, if you died six thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, whatever number you want, or ten thousand years in the future, I don't know. Uh, when that happens, to again to use a, a quantifying word, when that happens, it no longer matters. When that happens. Yeah. To be outside of time is to be outside of time at any given point. And so if you follow that train of logic, again, to quantify 
this outside of time, the moment you die and leave time would be the same moment that like Paul died or your great, 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 great grandkids die. And so therefore, like to us, it was 2000 years ago because we exist inside of time. It was a hundred years ago because, you know, because uh, we exist inside of time. Like, I don't know, my great grandma died like 10 years ago. But when I die, it will be the same, again, to quantify it, moment yeah. as when everybody else did. Which, again, I have no theological well, reason Well, some people that. believe in that, that system that time will fall away and we'll go straight to the judgment seat. Which doesn't make sense to us in, in time, yeah. right now as it exists. Because it doesn't make sense that, you know, like, it's like time travel almost. How is it that I'm going to go in the same time as Paul or the, any of the apostles, or, I don't know, you know, as any person from in the past. Like, how, it doesn't really make sense. And I get that. <laughs> so I, but I think the nature of the question is, yes, people before Jesus died, they will go to heaven. After, they'll, they'll go to eternal paradise like, on I mean, the new earth. Yeah. Same I, as us. Cause I, was, I, wish, I wish you could clarify that question a little bit. Well, because, I think basically what they're asking is, did people in the Old Testament, are they saved? And so what I yeah, always tell people which, is... Which 100%. Yeah. When you look at the Old Testament, we as Christians today are looking back at the death and resurrection of Christ. Yep. And the people beforehand were looking forward to the yep. death and resurrection of Christ. So yep. we're just looking... We're just all looking at different that, directions that focal to point. that point. Yeah. So, yes, they were saved. I mean, David's not which going to hell. the death and resurrection of yeah. Christ. That's the focal point that everybody past and present and future look backwards and forwards to. Backwards... Backwards and forwards here, <laughs> respectively. Oh, yeah. Um, Alex Kenneth Mack said um, that she that they've heard something going around about most that most of the disciples were teenagers. What are your thoughts on that? Some of them probably were. Like as young as like fourteen. The, well, back then you were a man at thirteen. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't. So to us that that could, but then again you have Luke who was a doctor. So he probably wasn't a teenager. He's probably oh, yeah. at least thirty, because that's but, when you I mean, would. Some of the fishermen. Uh, that, yeah. The, the two two brothers. Uh, James Simon and Andrew. Simon and Andrew. I don't remember all of them. They, they probably varied in age, um, because yeah. Ma yeah, Matthew was a tax collector, so he would have been older. Yeah. Anyone who kind of held like a trained title like that, doctor, tax collector, they would have been older. But yeah, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with them being as young as fourteen, because back then you were a man at thirteen. Yeah. So. In this in this day and age, we yeah. would look at that and we'd be like, "That's kind of weird." It's young, but, but you can't you can't apply. That's what I'm saying. Like you can't apply the worldview we have now to a situation 2,000 years ago yeah. and be like, "Oh, that was so weird." Therefore, I can't I can't I can't get on board with that. Like that's not that logically that's not right. It's kind of like the cancel culture now. Like 100. We're gonna judge you for something that was perfectly socially acceptable 20 years ago, but we're gonna judge you now for it. Pretty much. It's like. Yeah, Mary was probably you know probably fourteen, anywhere from fourteen to sixteen. She was she comment. was getting young. Thank you, Mary. Oh, Honest Palmer. That's what I said. He's Honest a he's Palmer. a regular viewer. He's on. My uh, bad. I'm sorry, Honest Palmer. Uh, Honest what? Palmer said um, asked earlier um, the doctrine of divine simplicity? Question mark. Question mark. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, we watch American Gospel too if you can. It's on um, Amazon Prime. It's I like it. Uh, they they always use the analogy of like white light has it's one hundred percent of all the colors. Right. 
And so the God's like white light. And I like that, that there's never a moment where God's not just, there's never a moment where God's not loving, there's never a moment where God isn't displaying all of his traits at all times. And I, I kind of like that. I am. <laughs> uh, so, so yes, I am. Uh, I so, I, I have I have uh, research isn't really the right word. I so again, it's the time thing. Uh, I asked I asked who is now our senior pastor at North Creek Church. Well, yeah, I still consider he's he's, he's my senior pastor. Uh, pastor Emeritus. No, Ken Dresdo. Oh, Ken. Okay, yeah, senior pastor. Um, yeah. So back in college days, I was kind of thinking about this whole time thing and I don't really know I, I don't really know where I came up with the idea uh, I'm sure I probably heard somebody else say something about it and I was like oh that's fun but that really kind of got me thinking about I did I did some word searches myself and I really I confirmed it with Pastor Kent about the word in in the first chapter of Genesis the word for day and that word is can be used that word alone can be used when it says and there was day and there was night the word for day there can be used as either a 24-hour period or, hold on, or a phrase in this day and age, meaning a period of time. Mm -hmm. Now, there's another word used in there, I think, and there was day and there was night, where th yeah. that phrase alone, anywhere else seen in the Bible, when those two words are together, they are specifically talking about a 24-hour period. So there's that's one case for young earth. The, the other just interesting part is, and this is just, again, this is just kind of trivial trivia for me, that if God, in fact, is just out of time, it doesn't make a difference whether he says when there was and there was day and there was night, and it took it took the you know, millions and millions of years for it to happen. It doesn't make a difference in God's eyes. For me, I just think it is so much more glorious and so much more majestic and so much more awe-inspiring that when God said it, it happened, and boom, it's done. And so, therefore, yes, I 100% am a yeah. young Earth. Uh, God said it, and it happened. Be all in just young Earth creation is it's for the, the one. Yeah, it's young it's, Earth creation. I don't. I don't. When it says. It was the first day. That's the word that can mean a span of time. And I get that all the time in my comments. But then, like you said, it's there was darkness and there was light. When that's paired with that phrase, it always means a 24-hour period. Yep. So the, there's no way you can really interpret Genesis 1 yeah. as just spans of time. If you're going to take Genesis literally, you got it's got to be a literal six-day yep. creation. There's no way to take Genesis literally without doing that. To follow that what? I believe in Genesis, but I don't think it was all instant like people say. The problem is, the problem is, if you don't take Genesis as a whole, for one, like we just explained, that that phrase means a literal twenty-four hour period. If you don't take Genesis as a whole, um, you lose the reason for salvation. Yeah. You lose the first prediction, the first prophecy about Christ. Yep. You lose. Uh, our need for Christ, and and you lose all this history and this foundation. Genesis is a very important foundational stone in the Bible. Yeah, you get and if you move that. Yeah, uh, you go down a real, real quick rabbit hole and a very dangerous path if you start. I don't want to seem insensitive, like picking and choosing what to and what not to believe. Uh, I mean, like he's right. Like you need to, if you're going to take it literally, then you have to take it literally. But if you're not going to then there are going to be, just like he said, there are some very key parts, very key components to our faith and our, our understanding of Christ in Genesis that are meant to be taken literally. And if they're not taken literally, then it kind of 
shatters our entire existence. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know. And that's that's one of the beautiful things about the Bible. I'll just say this real quick. Uh, that's one of the beautiful things about the Bible is we weren't given one big book, one right. thousand page book of the Bible, and then we had to decipher. Oh, this part is is literal. This part's metaphorical. This part's yeah. poetic. We were given sixty six individual books. Yeah. Right. That makes it so much easier to determine what is poetic, what is allegorical, mm -hmm. what is historical, what is prophecy. It makes it so much easier because if we were just given one big book, the Bible, it would have been impossible to interpret that way. But the fact we were given it in all these different spans of time with different cultural contexts, it really helps yeah. to make one cohesive work that can't be interpreted, like the, the crucial stuff can't be interpreted 100%. more than one way. Uh, to respond to that, um, that God said it and it did happen, but like you said, it didn't. It didn't matter in God's eyes. I do believe in the fall of man, but I don't think He created the earth. Why not? I mean, why? Like, why? It just begs the question for me. Why is that so hard to believe? I understand the science that we look at, mm -hmm. and it, you know, the science shows certain things. But first of all, it doesn't have to be science versus God. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to. Yeah, it doesn't have to be creation versus like science. Uh, second of all, just because like the, our understanding of, of creation shows one certain thing, I mean, remember, God stands in it, outside of it, all around it, at all times, forever. And if you, if you believe that, if you share that mindset with me, then I don't think it's so hard to believe that God could do something that is totally unfathomable to us. That it doesn't even, like, I don't know. I'm completely okay with not trying to understand, with not being able to understand certain things about Christ. And one of those is how exactly he went about creating the earth. Um, I know that is, it's a very humbling thing. Like we as humans have, a, we as humans have a lot of pride, and we really want, we we like to know things, we like to understand things. And I don't know. For me, it's it's kind of it's like it's more fun to just be like, God is God, and I'm not. One way I like to look at it is, we like to think of poof, these things just appeared. I like to think of it that God created all the vegetation in one day, but it grew at a rapid rate. That these trees that appear 10,000 years old, they grew over the course of a day, but they grew rapidly. They didn't just appear. They mm -hmm. grew from the earth at a very rapid rate. And right. the way I look at it with that is when Christ healed people, for example, I take the man with the withered hand. Mm -hmm. His hand regained strength, something that would have taken months of physical therapy yeah. and several surgeries to fix. Nowadays, it didn't just pop and was fine. It regained its, it grew yeah. back. Right. So I think of it that way. It was God mastering even the time these processes take. So I, I genuinely believe we can look at the universe and say, oh, well, the things in this, in this uh, earth look like they're hundreds of thousands of years old, but I believe they formed within a literal, <coughs> if you were standing on the planet, you'd watch in 24 hours all this stuff grow around. So I think that not, there, yeah. there is a balance of both a literal 24 hours while also making room for all this stuff appearing. But for one, we weren't there. So yeah. we don't, all we know is what the Bible tells us. And the Bible says it was a literal 24 hours, and we don't know anything other than that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, to put, it, to put it simply, like, for me at least, it doesn't, that does like, that holds no effect like how God exact how exactly God went about creating the earth holds no effect on my daily life, on my relationship with Him, 
And so for me, it like, it, yeah, it doesn't, I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that I don't fully understand what went into God creating the earth. Does that make sense? Um, Move on to a more draft. But again, that's uh, a world you think. The honest plumber also Ooh, asks. He always has good um, Is there any systematic theology or catechism that most accurately defines your faith? I said Westminster catechism is one that is really good. It's one that me and my dad went through when I was younger, and uh, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology is pretty spot on. Those are the two I'd suggest. I'm not very well versed. To be completely honest, I can't really speak to that. I, I'm a pastor's kid. I was made to read these things when I was young, so that, that's why I suggest them. I like. I, I feel they most accurately interpret the Bible with the Bible. Westminster Catechism is like verse after verse after verse to support each point, and then uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology uh, is once again a. Is that the a one, is that the one you eat your dad used in the. Oh yeah, my dad always uses that one. The big blue one. Um, oh, uh, I had to write this comment down, mm -hmm. um, from Ah. They said, I have a bi friend who I just recently told, um, that I'm a Christian and now he, I think he hates me. Well, that's gonna happen. Um, I, I've had that, I've had that happen where I've, I've gone through rocky points because I had a friend who was openly bi, and then, you know, like, she started realizing more and more that I was Christian just from the stuff I'd say, but... Be, be, make them feel conflicted. Give them that cognitive dissonance of Christians in your head. Make them question everything they think about Christians with how much you love them. Yeah. Without, without supporting those parts of their life that are sinful. Just, just like any non-Christian friend. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly want. believe that you can, you can love somebody and not agree with their worldview. Mm -hmm. But again, like this is the kind of thing I was talking about where I guarantee your bi friend has a completely different worldview from you. And so, uh, you know, if you're, you're kind of, your preconceived connotation, you like, you understand what it means to be a Christian, but he doesn't. What he hears and what he sees are probably all the really bad things that people say and, and show about Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, so, like Jake was saying, challenge his understanding of what it means to be a Christian in in how you treat him and I mean it, it sucks but I mean if the guy doesn't want to be your friend like he doesn't want to be your friend and that you know, there's nothing you can do about that part but as hopefully as hopefully you can continue to have the, the exist the relationship exists you can you can show what it means to be a Christian through how you love them, even though you don't, even though they know, they might know, and hopefully they know that, well, they need to know that you don't agree and you don't support what they do. But it's not because of like their life choices. It's not because of like, it's not because of the fact that they're gay. It's not because of the fact that the guy's bi. It's because of the fact that the guy's a sinner. And, but in that aspect of things, every single friend I have, that's not a, well, even, even the Christian friends, we're all sinners. And so, in that, like, through that mindset, applying that, you don't have to treat the guy any different than you would another sinner. For me, the biggest issue with homosexuals 
and people in that LGBTQ worldview mindset, whatever you want to call it, is the fact that, I mean, that, that's just a sin. It, it's just a sin area that's really kind of niche and weird to talk about. But it's still just a sin. And the, my, I take issue, the biggest area I take issue is when you choose to act, live in an active choice of sin. And it, I mean, that could be homosexuality. That could be something else completely different. That could be uh, partying. Could be partying, alcoholism drinking, or alcoholism, or right. uh, yeah, whatever yeah. you want it to be. Just a, you choose an active, to choose to actively sin, while also trying to tell me that you are a Christian. So that's really long way, long-winded way of me saying that I have a, the biggest problem I have with homosexual people are when they also are trying to tell me that they're Christian. Yeah, and that comes from we're supposed to take their word for it and lovingly rebuke. If yeah. they say they're a Christian, we're supposed to treat them as Christians. And then, then you have to call them on their yeah. sin areas. And homosexuality is just a sin area. And just like Donnie calls me on my anger. Just like I get called on... I don't know. Pick a name out of a hat. I get, <laughs> called, I get called on a lot of stuff. I'm a sinner just like everybody else. I hate that trend of like, oh, Christians gotta stop calling themselves sinners. No, we do. That's the point. We're sinners who have accepted it. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, no, there's nothing I can do to get into heaven. And that's the whole point. That's why I put my faith in Jesus. Because he already paid the, he already paid the price for me. Um, but I mean that doesn't mean that I actively choose to sin. I just am a fallen person. I'm not fallen. I'm a I'm a sinner. I'm a, I'm a messed up person that God has wiped away all those sins for me already. Ah, uh, said. So do you believe once saved always saved? Yes. Yeah. Caden uh, said. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> next question. <laughs> well, okay. So do yes, we believe once saved always saved. I do believe that if someone says they're a Christian and falls away from the faith and never comes back, that means that... You're they, not to question whether they were actually... Yeah, they weren't... Were I believe they began with... Or they passed away walking away from Christ, but they were still saved but living in sin. So people can walk away, come back, but once the Holy Spirit dwells within you, you're, you're, you're Christ. You're His. Yeah. Donovan Barnett said, I feel like you can't lose your safety, but you can forfeit it by turning the wrong way. No, the Bible says that um, those the Father has given to me, none can take away. Yeah. There's several passages that say that what Christ Himself, from His own lips, says that once you're mine, you're mine. It's also supposed to be reflective of the the marriage, mm-hmm. in the way that death, uh, that God's ideal marriage is till death. That's that's the ideal marriage. Now, granted, there were some practical things put in there for the nation of Israel. Specifically, you know, they asked for it, and God gave it. But it was not God's intention for marriage. That marriage is supposed to be till death. Christ brings us to life in salvation. Once you're brought to life in salvation, you can't die in salvation again. You can never be dead to God after you become dead to sin. And so it's reflective of that marriage relationship. So in the same way that what God has brought together, let no man tear apart, which is a verse about marriage. Pointing to his wife over there. Pointing to my wife. Um, what the, who the Father has given the Son, let no one take away. It's, it's the same concept. It's not a thing. It's not in the Bible. Um, the closest thing to purgatory would be the place of waiting that the Bible mentions, but that was before the cross. Um, it's a Catholic teaching. Yeah, I don't... We don't describe it. Why that? It's a scam. It's, you... it's salvation by works, too. Yeah, it was a, it was a way to make, make, uh, make the church richer. Man of God, 42. Brethren, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 uh, talks about how we are now new 
Yeah, so one of the things when we talk about salvation is to become a new creature. Um, and that this kind of goes to the Christian to become saved thing. That you, you gain the power to overcome your sin because you're a whole new being. And a lot of us find our identity in our sin before Christ. And when we become saved, our identity becomes Christ. We're a new creature that's identified with Christ, so it gives us the power to overcome. But that's why we can't judge unsaved people yeah. by Christian standards, because they're not the new creature. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Mardi Gras not, might not be the best place that's to go on a, a mission trip. Yeah, that's trip. a tough place to, like, I mean, satirical and, like, for real. That's a, that's a really, that's just a tough place to to put yourself willingly yeah. as a Christian and try and be like, I'm going to evangelize here. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, you're you're kind of putting yourself right into the thick of it in yeah. a situation like that. And I respect for to your dad for having not lost his faith. Um but, I mean, I can 100% understand the difficulty of that. Maybe me sitting here on this couch having no authority to speak on the subject, maybe say just don't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, there is a there is a concept of going where the sinners are, but that doesn't mean you go to a strip club that has to pants out tracks. Yeah. You know? There's wisdom in that. You don't go where people are actively reveling in sin, and Mardi Gras tends to be a celebration of hedonism. I mean, there's some cultural things there. Good jazz music. Uh, but you it's... guys have both been on mission trips before, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you guys get some... Um, like, we that? went to Tijuana. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, my, my main experience was through high school with, with him, uh, not all four years, but because we were two years apart, but um, through through his dad, through the, uh, my youth pastor, all four years we were able to go down to Tijuana, Mexico for a year, uh, for a week, um, every year during our spring, the... the spring break um and so we would the mission trips that we did down there were uh we paired up with we partnered up with pre-existing churches down there and we provided supplemental forces to run a week-long vbs vacation mm -hmm. bible school um that was the main focus of what we did is that multiple churches throughout the area we um we provided these vacation bible schools which um which a lot of these kids either you know they may may or may not grow up in the church that may or may not have these church experiences, but um, all the church-going kids were able to bring their friends, and at the very least, they were able to have a good time, hang out with some, some people from the United States, and hear a little bit about Jesus, and just to get to experience some, some fun games, and some fun crafts, and some fun stories and music. Um, in addition to that, some of the things we did, uh, we ran, a, um, we ran a, a sports camp for I think it was middle school. It might have been all the way down to elementary school. Yeah, yeah it was like pretty much the sports camp we do in North But it Creek. was, yeah, it, it, it went full scale. We did all the sports. Our, yeah, up in the States, uh, the same guy who runs it down there runs one during the summer up here. Um, and it's, I mean, yeah, it's a fun. You break into teams and it's a competition the whole time. You're fighting for points. Every single thing you do earns you points and it's a big... It's like it's like the Hogwarts point system. It really is. It, yeah, uh... Ten points for Grifflepuff. One hundred percent. That's what it is. Um, so you run. We run that, um, which is super fun, but really tiring. Uh, and then we had. Well, there was the refuge was, of the elders, yeah. where they had a lot of medical ministries start yes. there: dental ministry, uh, hospice ministry. I mean, yeah, you should be the one talking about this. You know, yeah. you know more about the behind well, the scenes. Well, that's the thing is, 
So one of the things that a lot of those like high school spring break trips get criticized of is being poverty tourism. Yeah. Where you just go take some pictures with some impoverished kids and maybe build a house, but you're not really doing anything important. And that's one of the things that when my dad started at North Creek, they had the Mexicali trips, yeah. which were pretty much that. They'd spend a small part of the day doing building houses and stuff, and then the rest of the day they were going downtown and shopping and having fun. And my dad kind of put an end to that with, and because you guys, the churches in Mexicali didn't really need the help that the churches in Tijuana needed. And so he started teaming up with the people in Tijuana, and it really, the gospel and helping people practically as well as spiritually became the central focus of it. And there was still fun that happened. We still would go to taco trucks. There was also still construction. We had a construction team that they would they would put up some massive structures in the the time period that we had. Yeah, we did. They did all sorts of stuff. I never. I'm not super handy in the construction world, so I was never on that team. But he was just the mountain that all the kids climbed on. Whenever a tall one showed up, you, yeah, Jason Cremeen, Corey Alexander. Yeah, you were you were the capuchus vendor. That means that means piggyback. Piggyback ride. Piggyback ride. Kabucha, 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 whatever a tall kid. But yo, kabucha, kabucha, kabucha. Or jump on your back and run around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, said, I think you will be cleansed of your sin before heaven because you don't sin in heaven. That's what purgatory is. Well, no, that's purgatory is not the cleansing of sin. What's going to happen is we're going to get our. We've already been cleansed of our sin through Christ on the cross. The salvation work is done. We get purified, we get sanctified. Yeah. As time goes on, and you become more like Christ the closer you get with Him and the more you commune with the Holy Spirit. But at the point of death and then the final judgment and the new earth being created, we'll be getting our glorified bodies. Christ got His glorified body mm-hmm. uh, after He ascended, right? Because it don't touch me because I haven't gained my glorified body yet. But we'll be gaining glorified bodies, and after that, we will not sin anymore. We'll be purified. But we've already been justified and sanctified through Christ. I'm guessing that Ah uh, is Catholic because of the purgatory question and the loss of like. So it sounds like um, we're Protestant, so, so we, yeah, we're going to have different thanks theological. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for yeah. asking they, the question. They tune in a lot on, on the lives. That's cool. I get I get Mormons, Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox, all sorts of uh, atheists. Ooh, Branch. Tuned in and said, it's about time. <laughs> Where do kids go during the rapture? Do they have to go through the Antichrist? Um, or I've never does thought of that. Jesus rapture them with us. That's gonna. That's where we're gonna get our confirmation of age of accountability or not? Yeah. Well, okay. So, but I'm post trip. I don't know if you're post trip or pre trip. Uh, it's never made a, that much of a difference to me. <laughs> Your pan trip, it'll yeah, all pan out. It's gonna happen. I'm post trip, so it won't really matter. Because they won't go through the tribu- they'll go through the tribulation regardless. Everyone will, is my belief. But I don't know that that will be the confirmation of the age of accountability or not. Yeah, that's I mean that's a great question, but because I've talked about the age of accountability on here before, I don't know. I have no idea. I oh man, I was gonna say the saints, and that that implies active salvation. Yes. So if it is pre-trib. My guess is that children suffer the tribulation. But that's hard, because what if they're the children of, like, Christian parents, and suddenly their Christian parents disappear? That's another reason why I'm post-trip. I cannot imagine God leaving all those children abandoned during the tribulation. Unless they get raptured. That's one of those things I... I, Oh, that's one of those mind-bogglers that, like, we're not really going to know until it happens. I mean, yeah, even that is... 
there's a lot of stuff like that. When, when it's prophecy, we're not gonna know it until it happens. Really? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a great that's question. Bug there are so many. There's so many better people. Pregnant? Pregnant? Yeah. What if somebody's no. pregnant? Just the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta imagine that the babies get raptured too. I gotta imagine. Yeah. That. Or we'll have some weird span of time where, for the whole tribulation, no one gets pregnant. <laughs> like everyone just goes bare. Yeah, I don't know. Those are those are some weird questions that just. Hey, but that's the kind taking, of stuff that, like... Taking us down weird holes. And that's the kind of stuff that can lead to, like, how many angels can dance on the head of a needle kind of question. Yeah. Just, well, are they stacked head-to-head, or are they... Hmm. Renna said... Renna Branch said, What exactly would you ask God once you got to heaven, asking the random dude not to get married? So, <laughs> well, <asterisk> Jake's best friend. <laughs> okay, what's your one question for God when you get to heaven? My one question? What was up with 2020? <laughs> people who grew up if you believe the whole bible is true you believe everyone started you know everyone expanded out from noah's ark yeah. that's that's the the most recent point where everyone was together so everyone yeah. had the truth at some point but Absolutely. then their ancestors just abandoned the truth and there's consequences for that yeah i mean i know there's logical answers yeah but even so it's when you really consider when you really consider the gift that the gift of salvation uh it's humbling for me it is it can feel so arbitrary but you know that it someday we'll find out why it wasn't yeah it, it can feel arbitrary but there's there's a point to it all I think some Christians can have a tendency to just kind of be a little nihilist like oh there's not really a point God kind of just arbitrarily picks us and it doesn't really matter and yeah that's why I like being a Calvinist it's not it's not arbitrary that is true it's not it's not just random there's a point to it. There's a plan, but we just don't know what that plan is. Mm-hmm. Lauren the Optimist says, "What is Carter's favorite Bible story?" Favorite Bible what story? Bible story. Story of friends. Like, what is friends' favorite Bible story? Friends. <laughs> I didn't hear yours. Anyway. That's fine. Uh, my favorite Bible story is the story of Ehud. Really? No way! No way! Bible story. He was left-handed. 
I mentioned you too when I told the story. I'm left-handed. Left <laughs> and so the fact that they searched him, but they only searched his left hip because they thought nobody in their might right mind could be left-handed. I just love that fact because I'm left-handed and I would carry the dagger on my right hip. Yeah. Okay, so it's as simple as that, honestly. I also think it's just a fantastic, ridiculously oh. cool story. Like, that would make such a cool movie. Right? Oh, didn't I tell you that I bet that's Carter's favorite yeah, judge? <laughs> Carter, Carter finds his identity and his left handedness so much. You do. Um, uh, but hey, maybe a valuable picture. Yeah. Left handed pictures are harder to bet against. They are. I must ask, Renna said, I must ask Jake's friend, who is your favorite Avenger slash Marvel character? Captain America. Oh. Really? I could see that. I could see you. Oh, yeah. That. Carter is Captain yeah, America. Yeah, he is. <laughs> literally from like in all aspects of his, look. his look here just grab the shield grab the yeah, shield real quick just, just. see see can't you just see him he's blonde hair blue eyed six foot what three six foot yeah. four I'm he's Captain America it's not because I'm blonde and blue eyed well Captain America's kidding, always Captain America's I'm always blonde I know somebody said do you like tacos I love tacos I can't tell you how many times Fantastic tacos down in Tijuana. Oh yes, El Russo's. I have looked for good tacos. I live in San Diego now. Uh, Should probably get some good. There are decent down there. tacos down there. I love the fish tacos down there. I haven't found like good, authentic, street tacos. Like the kind of tacos you'd get just. That may some, or may not be person, Yeah, some person that's sitting on the side of the road, with like a little little uh, picnic table yeah. at the back of his pickup truck with a little easy up and he's got a spinning cone of meat you just walk up and you pay him a dollar and you get this delicious mystery meat with some cilantro onions and salsa oh my gosh so many memories of just eating out of the sketchy don't know, don't know if you're gonna be on the toilet for the rest of the day <laughs> or feeling great or whatever it's always a mystery and it's always fun that's why taco bell but those are what tacos are for me that's the only authentic part about taco bell because it's it's intestinal roulette every time you eat it <laughs> I mean that is a fantastic story. Like obviously it's the pinnacle of <laughs> of my of our entire thing, our entire religion. But obviously, is, like besides as that. a story, as a story, it is absolutely fantastic. Like, I mean, it's heartbreaking. For just just from reading it as a story, like it's enraging. It really makes me mad. Uh, how easy it was for people to turn on Jesus. Oh yeah. And how quickly they were just like, yeah, no. I don't know that guy. His that most sucks. Like the people have been following him the entire time. His most passionate like, followers. Oh yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. Peter, just a few hours earlier, was willing to like throw, throw down. Yeah, he was. For Jesus. He was gonna kill somebody. He de-eared someone. Huh? Ehud. E h u d. Ehud. Well, because it's not a name that's very popular right now. It's not really we need to name our first son Ehud. No, but I was, yes. I was adding Sam because she said, hey, I want to make a biblical painting, but I'd be okay with this paint. Ehud! So I said, Ehud! Do the Ehud! Ehud! And you can use me as the example of Elgon. Me and Carter, Ehud Elgon, do it! I dare you! Uh, <laughs> He's left-handed! I am. And I'm very chubby. Do you, Rena said, do you have any hobbies? Do I have any hobbies? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Collecting ceramic unicorns. No. <laughs> uh, 
I assume I have to say what those hobbies are. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if, if you're comfortable I mean, with... To directly answer the question, yes. <laughs> but I guess I'll expound. Uh, I, I play guitar. Um, I like I have a compound bow. I like to shoot my bow. Eventually, I'd like to go hunting with it. Um, I need to get my bow out. I, I like video games. <laughs> I do watch Netflix and, and other streaming platforms. I would say that that's going to be up to your own conviction, but GTA is definitely one of those games that I would have a hard time saying can glorify God with its playing. But that's that's when that's going to be up to your own conviction. I think. And what do you think? I mean, I've played GTA. Sinner. Sinner. I don't. I mean, I wasn't. I yeah. I'm, at no point have I played the game and been like, this is this is glorifying to God. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I. I direct. Do I think that the game directly glorifies the Lord? No. No. But the fact remains that I've played it. Yeah. I don't. I. I don't play it a ton. I. I like Red Dead Redemption. That game's a little it's, more. You can be a little more moral in that game. Yeah, you have to be. It's got to be based on your convictions on that. You know, there's a lot of like sexual content. There's a, in GTA, there's a lot of things. There's a. There, there's a lot of things in. All platforms of media yeah. that you can apply that, where it's like, is this really actually what I should be spending my time on, or what I should be watching? And I don't know. It, you better put this as like, what? like Arya featuring friend, featuring friend, friend. tall friend. Everybody's saying friend, friend. I mean, I'm not wearing a name tag. I get it. Goat mom sixty two. Oh my god. <laughs> mom wants to know if Carter's seeing anyone. Talking about this on a live stream. You have my number. You can call me. <laughs> no. You hear that, ladies? He's single. I'll start a TikTok of him. And I'll start. Post, I'll post a bunch of videos that I have of you. I don't. I don't have. I don't have a TikTok. So good luck I'll make one. Any good luck finding post, me. I'll make one. Any video that you post of Carter will be like old, oh, yeah. old videos, cringy yeah. videos. Yeah. Still, he hasn't changed much. He's gotten taller. The face has remained the same. Gotten a little stubble and gotten taller. It's just well, the face is higher up in the sky. It's just because I'm on vacation. I normally don't have stubble. <laughs> I do miss my beard, though. Can you not have a beard with your job? No, no, no. Not because of COVID. Goat Mom 62 said, Jake's dad, Jake's dad, Jake's dad. <laughs> Booter! Booter from the chat. It might be your dad saying that. It's probably my dad. 100%. Uh, it's definitely my dad. 100%. Something your dad would say. Um, Lauren the Optimist said, yay! Um, yay to what? She's just an optimist. She says yay to everything. Fair to, enough. Uh, to something coming back on. Oh. Renna Branch said, w which Disney Plus Marvel show are you waiting on? Oh my gosh. I bet I know what you're waiting for. Disney Plus Marvel show? I'm waiting for WandaVision. Because I know that's going to have some multiverse nutsness in it. Yeah. Especially because the guy who played Quicksilver in the X-Men series is on the cast list. That, that'll be impressive. So that would be cool if like, she tries to that'll bring back her brother, and yeah. then she brings him over. Oh! That'll be good to see. Uh, Whiplash. Uh, is the Hawkeye thing still a thing? I don't think so. Do you need a rundown of what they got confirmed? 
I thought it was confirmed, but... So the ones they have in production are coming on within a year. I think I have my answer, by the way. I just want to say that already. Are Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, and WandaVision. Those are the three that are like... And then there's the What If series, but it's an animated series. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually most excited for What If. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to be... I think that has potential to be fantastic. Because there's going to be like a Captain Peggy... Yeah, just which gonna, Peggy is Captain yeah, America. You're gonna have yeah. so many what if scenarios, which is the beauty of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's all gonna be based in the MCU. Comic based universe, not even just the MCU, but just concepts like this where you have so much creative potential. And so this show, What If, is gonna yeah open up that open up that potential a little bit. Yeah. I think it's gonna be really cool. Uh, the what if does absolutely nothing. Does abso- it's gonna do absolutely nothing for the story or anything, but it'll be it'll have some cool. Like, Can Christians watch? I would say, okay, you can, you have the ability to, I'm going to get all grammar teacher here, you have the ability to watch it, but I would strongly advise you don't. There's no reason a Christian should watch a TV show where you're taking the literal embodiment of evil in this world (laughs) and turning him into a lovable rake. No, don't watch it. That is not, I will say, that's not something I've watched. I'd say that that's outright unwise for a Christian to watch. You're a little Mabel-esque, I think, but I think you're a little too grim for I don't know Mabel. what we're talking about, but I think you might just want to be confirmed. I think you just... sounds like you just want confirmation that you're like Mabel. Yeah, Mabel, have you ever seen Gravity Falls? Nope. It's a fun show. Mabel is one of the characters... That, that Bill Cipher that pop up there next to the Oogie Boogie and Over the Stitches. Um, five Down, Three Over is from oh, Gravity see. Falls, and then Mabel and Dipper are the two main characters and they're twins. So this oh. is my best friend, Carter. I thought oh. I was your best friend. Lauren, the no. optimist, said, what does Carter think of Karen? I don't think he Carter hasn't seen, seen any of my TikTok videos. He's not on TikTok, so he hasn't seen yeah. any of my Not on TikTok. So he's like my best friend, but there's nothing of the reason why no I'm opinion. actually doing a podcast. He has no, re- he has no reason. Like, I, I mean, you can look at my Instagram. Oh, you don't have an Instagram. Nope. He has like, no. no social media. He's so thank you, Carter, for coming on the podcast. And uh, I hope to have you on again. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah, so uh, we got to get Carter to the airport now. And so uh, see you all next week. Bye.